Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast. My name is Will and as always I'm sat here with my cousin Michael after a busy, busy week and a Friday night lights fixture that went our way. Mike, big weekend for you with the hockey as well as a Friday night rugby game. How are you feeling? Good results all round? Yeah, good results all round. Um, first things first, apologies for... Uh, my vocal noises. Um, I, I don't know what's. I don't really know what's happened. I'm not. I'm not hungover. I don't know. Maybe just the culmination of a long week at work. Plenty of screaming and shouting on a Friday night at the stoop. But I am. That's started. what it is. You were very loud on Friday night. I was quite loud on Friday, but I think I'm just losing a bit of um, <coughs> losing a bit of just strain on on my, on my voice. Um, not 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 anything to do with my singing, but yeah. So no. Apologies for that. But no, the weekend was good, mate. Friday night was wicked good to get back into our, our home and watch some premiership rugby um i felt like i missed it for the three or four weeks that we hadn't had it although we had you know the barbarians was great etc um watching some of the England stuff but i had missed competitive premiership rugby points on the line um I'd, mi- I'd missed out on that for three or four weeks it felt like a long time so it was good to get back into there good win of hockey yesterday bit of a scratchy game conceded two or three too many but we ended up winning the game which was all fine um, score no, no, no. Did one, one no, was it like, what was the score? I know oh, you know the score. score. <laughs> no, I don't score. Uh, six, <laughs> six, four. It's a bit of a oh, thriller. Bit of a, bit of a gunslinger. Um, ended up having a bit more, bit more quality in the last ten minutes. But yeah, it was okay. Um, caught a bit of the England game. Watched most of the second half, and then here we are, Sunday morning. Looking forward to a big week, and already looking forward to Friday night down at the wreck. Yeah, me too. Um, it was one of our favourite away days last year, wasn't it? Apart from London Irish, I'd say it was probably my favourite away day. Beautiful city, great matchup. Unfortunately, didn't get a result there, but maybe that will change this time around. We'll preview Bath at the end of the episode. My weekend, I guess, is fairly similar to yours. Friday night lights, make a bit of noise, get the result we wanted. Played rugby for Quinn's Arms yesterday. Got the W, four from four for me. Undefeated in the quarters. Come on. Come on. Um, we played away at Guildfordians and their pitch, probably the worst pitch I've ever played on. <laughs> no, definitely the worst pitch I've ever played on. I'm not exaggerating when I say we played on a hill. Um, we're effectively in a park and the hill was probably about 45 degrees. Jesus. Might be exaggerating slightly there, but that is exactly what it felt like. And we were uphill in the first half. And it was just the most unpleasant 40 minutes of rugby I've ever had because you're effectively getting pelted with people running downhill at you, people kicking the ball down the hill and you've got to turn and chase it. And when you've actually got the ball, you're attacking up the hill. You feel like you're going nowhere. So we were 12 mil down at half time. Second half comes around. We end up winning the game 2017. So it really is a game of two halves at that pitch. Whoever plays the hill better tends to get the result but it was their first home defeat so they obviously know how to play that pitch yeah. so we were pleased with that one um and then sat here similar to you i don't know what's up with me i'm not ill i'm not hungover but my my voice seems to be a little bit croaky as well or a little bit sore so we'll we'll take the wholesome sunday today go get a haircut for the fresh week yeah payday monday. And then we go again payday monday i'm looking forward to getting a haircut it's been been a few weeks overdue <laughs> how much is a haircut where you go well, mate, it used to be 24. It's about 26 now, so I'm looking for a new Serious? one. I mean, I'm in the market. I'm in the market for a new one. Yeah, completely. That's might be, outrageous. Might be in the market just for a, a new a new style. Anyone's got any tips? A on new what... style. <laughs> if anyone's got any tips on what they can, if, you know, on how to how to fix my my mop, then please let me know. 
What are you thinking? You no, must I... have something in mind. No idea. I might just get rid of it. That all. is such a lie. What are you thinking? <laughs> no. Frosted tips? No, 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 no. The Joe Marlow Mohawk? No, nothing like that. Nothing silly. Oh, nothing well, silly. I tell you what, this this takes me onto a great game already. I actually had this planned anyway, but that was an unbelievable segue. <laughs> Top five Harlequins haircuts of all time. Does Marlow not get all five? In, ver- in, in, ver- in, in various different forms. He, we'll do it by person, not by haircut. Um, Marla's certainly in the top five, isn't he? Marla in the definitely top five. the most iconic. Adam Jones got to be up there. I've got him in mind as well. Adam Jones is definitely in there. Jones and Marla, two front rowers so far. Smith probably. Smith. As in, as in Marcus Silky. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. Would you really? Yeah. Just silky, no. isn't it? And it's somewhat iconic. It's sort of the floppy mop. I think. Uh, yeah. Maybe the teenage dirtbag. Teenage dirtbag. Um, who else? I, I've got one that is, is cheating a little bit, but the Mike Brown skinhead. Is the Mike Brown skinhead better than the Keith Wood skinhead? I'd say it's more iconic for Harlequins. Maybe. Okay. So he's in my top. He's probably second, I'd say. That's what iconic, about, isn't it? You know about, you've got to be hard when you shave your head to be bald when you don't even need to shave it. <laughs> what, what about the Danny Kerr? Like lockdown, post lockdown, he sort of throwing over one side Jack Sparrow vibes. Mm, not sure. That's what you used to have, isn't it? Yeah. But you actually chose to have it that way. <laughs> I've been blessed with anything. I've, got one, I've got one more. I've got one more. That makes up our top five if I've got this one. Go on then. I've actually written it down. In fifth place, I've got the Adam Jones kind of shaggy dog haircut. Yeah. Fourth, I think you're quite like this. It was the era where we had kind of the, the blonde backs. Oh. Of- Matt Hopper. Matt, I knew, yeah, Matt the Hopper. Blonde I used to really like Matt Hopper. Yeah, I used to like Matt Hopper. He was good. And he had, yeah, the, the kind of blonde mop, didn't he? Mm. Third, I've gone the teenage dirtbag, Marcus Smith, yeah. quickly becoming iconic. And then, yeah, Mike Brown's skinhead and, and who else but Joe Marlowe with the blonde mohawk up top. That'd be my top five Quinn Streams. There you go. There's your inspiration. Take one of those five and run with it. Yeah, well, I've been blessed with many things in my life. Graceful height. Athletic prowess. Oh, for goodness' sake! One, wonderful sense of humour. Um, but I've never had a good haircut, which is why we're, anyone that ever seen me or knows me knows I've got a hat on at any any given moment. So, yeah, maybe it's time for a change. So, any any thoughts? Drop us a tweet. Let me know. That could be fun. I like that idea. <laughs> anyway, let's let's crack on with the episode. A couple of talking points. Quite a few talking points, but not as many as last week, which is a good thing. We can be a little bit more focused. I want to start with an England roundup. Mm. Autumn internationals have come to a conclusion. One win out of a possible four against Japan. Not numbers that we're particularly proud of, let's be honest. What's your assessment of A, the Autumn Series, B, the performances, and C, that man at the top, which seems to be on everybody's lips, Steady Jones, and, and your stance on where he should be this time next year, if, it, if it's with England or elsewhere? My general feeling on the whole Autumn Nations is that I'm sort of pleased it's now over. Um Yeah. Although I actually went to, a, I said this on last week's episode, although I've actually felt a little bit closer connected with it this time around because I've actually been to a couple of the games. Looking back on the last month of international rugby, I think England is probably the games that I've least enjoyed watching. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. Um, other than maybe 10 minutes against the All Blacks. I am disappointed that we didn't see Caden play in any of the games. Um, I am slightly bored of the Joe's narrative about people deciding that he's going to go or not. 
ultimately he's not going to go anywhere. He'll be here to the end of the World Cup. We'll probably end up getting to a semi-final of the World Cup. We'll play some good rugby, some bad rugby. Then we'll lose to one of the bigger sides and everyone will say, oh, we'll throw their hands up in the air and then we've got a reset. And then we'll maybe go in another four-year cycle again before we find out anything. Um, I think there are some players in that side that are beyond sort of dead weight in the international scene. I, I mean, to jump in there, but the two wingers for me, you've got Johnny May, Jack Noel. We know what they're all about. They're probably I mean, a little bit past their peak now. Even though Freeman... The depth, yeah. the depth. The depth in the wing department is just ridiculous and we're not seeing anyone get blooded. You've got Adam Radwan coming down from Newcastle and going back up every couple of days because Eddie's treating him like... I'm not going to say it on the pod, but you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's not getting the respect he deserves as a quality rugby player. And then you throw our man in there, Caden Murley, who, albeit, is a little bit closer to, to mm. HQ and everything that goes on with their training camps. But, my God, why is he not getting a shot? He's a standout winger in the Premiership. He could yeah. have played him against Japan if he's nervous about his, his levels of experience and whether he's ready or not. Even Argentina would have been a good game for him to, to go up against someone like Buffelli. Yeah. Or to go up against the likes of Carreras, who obviously played at 10, but plays for Gloucester. They're premiership players in there. Julian yeah. Montoya, it's not like they're unknowns to our premiership lads. So, yeah, a little bit frustrated. I think the squad depth is as good as it's been for quite a long time, and we're just not doing anything with it. Players getting played out of position. You've got Farrell playing 12. He plays 10 every week for Saracens. You've got Marcus taking the ball at second receiver. He's first receiver for Quinns. You're playing Locks at six. It's just just a mess and you've got different coaches joining a setup every international window it seems people coming in people going out just too much of a merry-go-round yeah um, but I just... not to moan because it's it's it is what it is and we'll learn from it and hopefully some changes are made and some stability is found i just get bored of the narrative around jones he's not going to go anywhere he'll be hit into the world cup so it, it almost seems a pointless conversation but it is just disappointing you know i mean what do we not know about Johnny May that we haven't seen over the last 10 years? We mentioned it last week, that game where Manu ripped New Zealand apart and suddenly he was the, the, the best player in the world and the future of our, our side, that was 10 years ago. What have we learned or what do we not know about Manu now that we don't know from 10 years ago? I really like Jack Noel still, but again, what do we not know about Jack Noel that we, we might learn in, the, in these sort of three or four weeks? We know all this stuff. Why not, you know, give, give people a chance? Even if it was Ollie Hassel Collins, who's had a brilliant season for London Irish, you know, the Chessums of the world, go and give them a go. You know, Ribbons, who came off the bench against New Zealand and was brilliant. He was brilliant. Was give, brilliant. Give, give him a starting shirt. What do we not know about Johnny Hill? Give Ribbons a go. I'm just I'm just a little bit lost of faith in it, I think. But I'm like I say, I'm sort of glad it's over now. And I'm sort of glad that we can look forward to probably one of the most exciting periods of our season with some more premiership rugby some european rugby some christmas big games this is the bit of the bit of the season i absolutely love so i'm sort of pleased the international window is now over and we can get stuck into it hey yeah let's move on to quins because that seems to be the joy in our lives at the moment so a good piece of news from this week we touched on it last week because it was rumored but it's now confirmed joe launchbury is a harlequin he'll be joining up with the club at the end of the season and we'll be looking pretty good in that second row department, as we mentioned last week, with the likes of Hurst and Steph Louise and Dino and Hammond. And, of course, the new man, Joe Launchbury, doesn't seem to be involved at all in the England setup or even considered, which, given how things are going and, and selfishly from a club point of view, is a very big positive for us if we've got him for every single week running out in the quarters. So 
our pack's going to be looking good. We did, of course, tweet this week and post on Instagram about a potential replacement tight head for Wilco Lowe. Wilco will be departing the club at the end of the season. A big, big loss given the stability we've had at scrum time over the last few seasons. We've almost taken it for granted. It's not something that we've particularly been blessed with at Quinns over the last few maybe decades. Um, but to have Marla, Walker and Lowe and previously Scott Baldwin in there, our scrum time's been awesome. So for me, he needs replacing. We put out a graphic with four players that we think would be good to have, whether they're in budget or not. Don't know whether they're available or not. Unsure on some, but the players were Taniela Tupo, the tight head for Australia. He's dynamite. Tongan Thor is his nickname. He looks like he'd be very, very quincy and very, very fun. The next one, Will Stewart, currently at Bath. A couple of tries for England in the Autumn Nations series against New Zealand. He's an interesting one. Bath have obviously recruited quite heavily in recent weeks. They're rumoured with Finn Russell. Tight heads are typically expensive. They need to clear the cap a bit. I imagine he might be one of the names that that they look to depart with. Um, another name on our graphic was Thomas Dutrois, South African prop. Actually got red carded against England this weekend. <laughs> He's rumoured with Bath. So I imagine, depending how those conversations go, one of those two will be available, whether it's Will Stewart or Thomas Dutrois. And I'd take either of them. The fourth name on that list, bit of a curveball, very Marmite, 50-50. Some <laughs> people would love to see him back. Others, my dad included, who sent me a message saying, definitely not Sink. Really? Carl Sinkler was the fourth man on there, um, which split opinion quite interestingly. Anyone on that list that appeals to you? Are you one of the people in the camp of, we don't need to replace him? Where do you stand with it all? No, I hundred percent agree that we need to we need to replace the tight head, and I've, we've we've said it a lot on here, and I've had the same conversation with a lot of other Quinns fans. The strength and depth of our front row over the last two three seasons has been a huge a huge strength of our squad. Obviously, we rely massively on Joe playing at loose heads, enormous amount of minutes he plays. Santi's been a backup. We're very blessed that Simon Kerrod can do both sides of the scrum. That's not a skill that many people can do at a really high level. That's a really, really key factor in our front row. And we're now getting a bit more of a look at Finn Baxter. So that loose head side looks relatively well set up. Hopefully Baxter might get a bit more rugby as well in the future. But tight heads, 100% is an area that I would be looking to, to, to strengthen losing Wilco. Obviously, we've got Will Collier out. Potentially one of the best scrummaging tight heads in the country. Um I actually think he's probably a better player than Will Stewart when they're both fully fit and fully fully going. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, and obviously, Kerrod will play on that side as well a lot. I think it would be unwise for us to not have that strength in depth. Obviously, we're going to be losing somebody like Joe Marchant and obviously we're going to be losing Wilco. There's a two relatively high wage brackets, I would imagine, as part of the club. So I think the money needs to be spent on that tight head position. We spoke about Marchant last week and how we can almost immediately replace him with, with Luke Northmore, a premiership-ready rock star who fits into that 13 shirt so seamlessly. But none of the things that we do well, ball in hand, the attacking rugby, the pace, all that stuff doesn't happen without a good set piece and we need to replace the tight heads. Just because I think the, the strength and depth it gives you, having Collier on the bench or whoever we might sign on the bench, you know, there's no drop-off there, which is why it's been so good for such a long period of time. It's never been a position I've been worried about. Every week you go Collier yeah. or... Collier or Lowe, it's a coin toss for me. They both play, they both start, they both come off the bench. It doesn't matter. They're both they're both wicked players. So I'd love yeah. to see that I'd love to see that level of quality be maintained. 
So yeah, a, a properly good international level tight heads. I would love to see any of those four. I'd like. To, I mean, Tupo would be amazing. I'm not yeah. sure what his scrummaging is like, having you know, having not watched him a lot. Um, he's played 38 times for Australia. He's only 26. You can't really see him packing ship and coming to London. Um, I think Sinclair, and obviously people have said, have said this at the time, and obviously we knew when we put out the graphic, but he's obviously still got uh, an extension on his contract at Bristol. But would I have him back? No, I don't think I would actually, having thought about it. I don't think I would, just because we were losing for such huge periods of the season with England. Um, I don't think I would have him back. Will Stewart, I think there even are better tight heads in the Premiership than Will Stewart, English ones. I think Schickling's a better tight head. Um, yeah, Will, Stewart's, Will Stewart's playing quite well at the minute, obviously, with England, but I think we could do better than that. Yeah, um, more about availability, I think. And this, I is, the, this is... Obviously, the, Extra have got Harry Williams as well, so their depth there is pretty good at tight heads. Yeah, so maybe, maybe one of them is poachable. Um, and I'm not too worried about the scrummaging ability of, of the players we signed. Obviously, they're going to be good pedigree, the ones we're talking about. But as soon as you get Adam Jones in with them, yeah, I just think they'll advance. I just think they'll advance greatly. So I'm not, I'm not massively concerned about who the best scrummager is because he's coming into an environment with Will Collier to play with, but also Adam Jones to be mentored by. Um, just going back to the point on the depth we've had there, yeah, I felt so confident in that tight head position. Probably the greatest position in terms of depth. Kerrod as well is, is more than established and I'd like to see him progress a little bit more. The beauty with Kerrod is he covers both sides. So yeah. more often than not, he'll, he'll be on the bench so that he can cover whoever goes down or whoever's tank is getting emptied the fastest. But, That's a huge skill to have though, isn't it? Having someone who can cover oh, both sides. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. There's, there's no doubt, no question in my mind, he's going to be in the mix for a long time as well. But it's more of a duty of care for both Collier and Kerrod. They, on average, they pick up two injuries per season. Wilco probably picks up a couple as well. It's just the nature of the beast of being a tight head prop that you're going to be physical. You're going to be taking lots of hits. You're going to be put under pressure on your joints. You, you almost need that third high-profile quality tight head prop just to share the workload. So yeah. I, I don't really buy into the debate of we don't need to replace him. Um, and we can bring a, a young player through because that young player is going to be getting a lot of minutes. It's mm. just how it works. I think, I, th I think we're agreed. We have to, we have to look to replace the real difficult balance. Those finding an international level tight heads that won't be shipped off to play international rugby for eight weeks of the season. And that was the beauty of Wilco. We got him in that perfect yeah. little bracket of yeah. international pedigree. He must have had, what, 10 or 15 caps for South Africa at the time. Is just just out of their pecking order with the quality that they have in the front row. So he's he's been available for us. Obviously, he's had his injuries. But, yeah, we'll, he'll be massively missed. And I hope that we look long and hard, and I'm sure, I'm sure they are, about getting somebody that fits the bill. Because I think it would be wrong to not look at an area... <laughs> Like tight heads can be replaced. Should we? We should be doing it, in my opinion. I mean, maybe South Africa is the place to go. The depth they've got in the front row—they absolutely tore us apart at scrum time yesterday, didn't they? So, yeah. the depth they've got there. We've got a few staffers in our ranks with Steph and, and Andre and Ernie. Maybe Wilco can hit up somebody in a similar yeah. role to him. I wonder if that's the case. I wonder if they. I wonder if Laurie or Billy or whoever makes that decision. I wonder if they say to to Simon, yeah. like, who's, oh, "Who's your mate?" Yeah, listen. I wonder if they say to Wilco, "Who do you reckon?" One of them, who's the best? Who would fit in the best? What do you know about them? I'm sure they would. I'd be disappointed if they didn't, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a different kind of management that you wouldn't expect to see, but it feels like something our club would probably do. If we're going to go to South Africa, Steph, Ernie, who do you know? 
Who, yeah. who, have, you, who have you played against? Who, who do you want to have in your team? You know, you've probably got better knowledge than people on the scouting teams and all that. I'm sure. I'm sure that is happening. Like it. Maybe we should message Andre. He's quite good on Instagram. It replies yeah. to the pod. Who do you reckon? Yeah. Should we do it? <laughs> Go on, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not right now. We'll finish the pod first. See how that pans um, out. Let's move on to Gloucester because we were going into this game. Well, I certainly was going into this game with a lot of confidence. I saw our team line up. We had the return of Tommy Allen and Andre to, to bolster the ranks. The return of Luke Northmore from injury wearing the 23 shirt. Just such good quality to bring off the bench. And then I saw their team and I thought, wow, we cannot underestimate this lot. They have got a good lineup. They've got Lions in their side. They've got Louis Rees-Samet, who wasn't playing for Wales. He was playing for Gloucester, which bemused me a little bit. Yeah. They looked like they were going to you know, cause us a lot of problems. And they did at times off the back of a driving mall, a couple of tries in that department. But what was your assessment of our chances going into the game. My punchy prediction was five points. And I mean, we weren't far off that, but second half kind of let us down in that aspect. But it was a good showing overall and a result I'm proud of. But what were your thoughts? I think when we, when I looked at the teams on paper, I thought it was about as strong as we could have possibly been. Having Northmore back, having Andre back in the mix, Don Brandt now seems fully fit and ready to go. Walker back in the sides, Bassett and Murley on the wings. David has served his suspension and has come straight back in at fullback. That's mad, isn't it? That's mad. Two God. game ban and he gets the Prem Cup <laughs> against Sale and the Barbarians. one of them on the Friday. But the Barbarians game, literally the night before, as if he was ever going to play in both. But how does a friendly against the Barbarians count? That's bizarre. <laughs> Good story about that as well, by the way. He had to do a tackle course. Tackle awareness and, yeah. Yeah, because of his red card for a dangerous tackle, he had to do a tackling course. Guess who was taking the course? Tabai Matson. <laughs> He's one of the few qualified coaches that are able to do the tackling courses for players that get the red cards for dangerous tackles. So, yeah, he had his own head coach taking him through the tackling course. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for that. Oh, that doing the old speed awareness course if you get if you get caught in the Yeah, cabinets. literally, literally. But no, I think, I think looking on paper, it was about as strong as we could have possibly been. Um, and we had George Hedden on the bench, uh, Northmore on the bench, Archie White on the bench. So Tommy Lauder, who played in the Prem Cup last week, might be getting pretty close, doing some run-throughs before the game. Um, or, you know, we said it while we were sort of chatting in between um, selection going out on the weekend. Premiership sort of ready front row. I didn't know a huge amount about Sashino, but obviously played for, for Argentina a couple of weeks previous. Vara Pava Ruskins had a brilliant season. He's been in the England mix. Fraser Balmain, so just a a sort of premiership, sort of journeyman tight head. Freddie Clark, massive back row. Carreras, who played on the wing a few weeks previous against England. And then, you know, 12 trees, Harris, Reese Summit. You know, that's a pretty premiership ready with a couple of rock stars in there, a couple of Lions. Um, but no, it looked like on paper a really good matchup. And they obviously have now lost three on the bounce. They came into our game having yeah, lost Yeah, we've won three on the bounce. And we are now three on the bounce. So, you know, not looking too far ahead at the table, but we've now got, you know, we're up into third. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the game because it started off quite brightly, actually. The first 50 minutes, we seem to have the ascendancy. We seem to have the dominance. Yeah, if I was confident going into the game after the first 15, 20 minutes or so, when we go two tries up, I'm thinking, wow, this could be a rout. We are all over them. They didn't really have a sniff. Two quick tries, perfect start. I think the first one, Danny Kerr, he had a good game, didn't he? He controlled the game a little bit. 
control the pace. There's a couple it's of like... boys. There's a couple of boys sitting in front of us saying, "If we can wrap this game up in the first twenty minutes, I can nip inside and watch the end of the football. Then come oh, back outside cool. for the second yeah, part." Yeah. We haven't mentioned that yet, have we? Oh, that's not... for the England USA game. Is so, that, is it worth mentioning? pre-match? Pre-match, we were all in the Robshaw Bar, which was massively unpleasant because it was yeah. very hot. There's no windows, no air conditioning. Everyone's come out in about three coats, so everyone's carrying coats, getting in each other's way, trying to carry pints through a crowd. The game was on the big screen. It wasn't offering much entertainment. I think, what did we do? We did the first 30 minutes and then yeah, we thought, well, let's go watch the boys warm up and get a pint. So, um, yeah, unfortunate scheduling clash there. A few people have criticised Premiership Rugby for the scheduling there, but I think the main criticism I have is that there were no broadcasters. Yeah. Two Friday night Premiership games, Quinns v Gloucester, which, let's be honest, is a humdinger. Mm. It's a playoff clash. And then Newcastle-Exeter, which... Doesn't seem as much of a humdinger, but Newcastle actually won that one. So that was a hell of a contest as well. Neither were televised. I don't understand it. PT Sport have not had any rugby for the last month. And then as soon as the Premiership returns, they're not covering either of the games. Bizarre. Completely bizarre. But Friday night game, I was quite happy to go watch the Quins instead of England. Yeah. There were a few kind of mixing between the bars and getting it up on phones, etc. We didn't miss much. In fact, I made the error of Posting an Instagram story at half time saying there's no nil nils here. <laughs> Only for the second half to be a nil nil. <laughs> so I apologize to everybody at suit for that. That was definitely our fault. No, um, back towards the game yeah, though. Yeah, back think, to the game. Danny Care. Yeah. I think very much controlled it, didn't he? He did. Just that first ten minutes or first fifty minutes or so we just seemed to be moving the ball nicely. Um the line out actually operated quite well in the first half. Obviously it didn't quite pan out that way towards the second half. But yeah, first fifty minutes I felt good. Tommy flawless off the tee. Um yeah, Danny, how does he find his way towards the base of the ruck and or towards the base of the driving wall, I say, I should say. How does he find his way into that area of the pack? And Interesting, wasn't it? There were yeah. a few interesting things between the pack and Danny that happened at the weekend. The first one was obviously that moment where Danny scores a try from a driving wall, which is not the person I expected to be dotting it down from there. But then there was a moment right in front of the south stand as we were defending where we had a line out, I think probably 10 metres from our line, and Danny wasn't at the back of the mall to box kick it clear. He was stood on our own five metre line, hands on hips, like unmoved. And we're thinking, what's going on here? What, yeah. What's going to happen? And I'm not sure who it was. Someone sort of on the flank of the mall just sort of slings it out the back to him, 10 metres, and he hoofs it downfield. Yeah. Never seen that. it before. I think it, I think it was either Kenningham or Dombrand who was at the back of the mall and sort Kenningham. of out. Uh, Kenningham, sorry. And oh. he sort of like flings it out the back, you know. It was a weird, weird sort of setup. But one thing we do need to mention. So we've got Danny's first try. Driving mall. Somehow Danny finds his way into that jackal position. Um, you know, steering the mall sort of on Walker's shoulder and finds the ball in his hands, goes over. Next try, we kick to the corner. Big line out. Dino Lamb takes it off the top. And we go through two or three phases. But let's talk about the Ernie Hurst basketball star oh, my. over his head. We signed oh, my. Er we signed Ernie Hurst. And I think there was a quote that few people have said or few people sort of put out um, when he first signed. And it was all about he loves hitting rucks. He loves he loves the contest. Um, is it Sam Lana put out that thread about Ernie's tackle success rate and his game line dominance at collisions and all that sort of stuff. And we were thinking, well, that's brilliant. That's the sort of replacement that we need, you know, for Simmons and Tizard. We need a big snarling second rower, you know, big old Italian, South African-y beard on him. But... After what a couple of months with the Quins, he's now doing out the back passes over his head, flare encouraged, throwing the ball around. LeBron, 
What, yeah, what, he needs... what a piece of what a piece of magic from the second row, and then obviously Dino Lamb goes over from a couple of yards, and we're fourteen nil up. Yeah, he needs to hand in his second row membership card, doesn't he? <laughs> that's, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. Um, funny that because. I watched it in real time and I couldn't quite clock who it was. I watched the replay and I still couldn't quite clock who it was. It happened that quickly. So I've had to watch it three times just to identify it was him, but just so good. And it yeah. it completely sets up that try, right? It's yeah. so quick. It sucks in two or three players that are now eliminated from the game because it moved the ball on that quickly. And that effectively creates the try for Dino. And we're looking pretty good at that point. The next 15 minutes or so then just didn't quite pan out how we wanted and Gloucester started to get a bit of a foothold in the game. There's not a huge amount to be said. Basically, they did to us what we had sort of done to them, just with a little bit less flair. You know, two big lineouts, two big driving malls. Um, they sort of wheel the mall and it flies over in the corner. Um, and then the Sassino sort of paths through the middle. It looked like on the first one, we'd stuffed it quite well, but they just had that sort of wraparound unit of yeah. players um, that then sort of wheel around and score. And they obviously missed one of the conversions. Carreras also not one in from the from the boundary. But yeah, 14, 12, and you think, okay, it's not not an issue, but we just need to find that foothold in the game again and start doing the things that we are good at. And the third try certainly bought that, didn't it? Four offloads in a phase of split second magic where we go 50 to 60 meters, and then again, two, three quick phases. Danny does what he does, finds a bit of space at the back of the breakdown and just snipes over and scores his second try. And suddenly you think, okay, that's what we're good at. That's how we beat teams. And we just seem to be doing a little bit more of that towards the end of the second half. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think in previous weeks, our mall defence has actually been pretty strong. But Gloucester seemed to identify it and attack it and, and split it in a way that no team has done before. And I know Gloucester are a specialist in that driving mall. So maybe it's worth sitting down as a squad and reviewing that in a little bit more detail as to how they did that. Because normally we're, we're pretty good at defending that. I think the first one was just the pace they hit the mall at. As yeah. soon as as soon as the jumper hits the floor, there was a real immediate surge. Well, the other thing with that is that there was a few occasions where maybe we had identified how good their driving mall was. We were just a little bit too quick to to hit the mall before the line-out jumper had landed. And we gave away penalty advantages. And at that point, maybe they try something a little bit more risky and different that gets a little bit reward for them. So just, just interesting to see how our mall defence was almost sort of targeted a little bit more by Gloucester than it had been by previous teams like London Irish and Leicester in weeks gone by where I think we'd done all right defensively there. And if we move on to the second half in a little bit, I think our defence was outstanding, obviously not conceding a single point. So just interesting how maybe they didn't attempt that again. But after those two scores, we see a little bit of Quincy magic, which set the night alight, really, didn't it? I think, was it four offloads? Yeah. Every time someone else offloaded it and made a few yards, I thought, right, well, let's set it up there and we go again. But nope, another offload came, another offload came, and all of a sudden we're 15 metres out, looking pretty good. It just came quickly, didn't it? It just came so fast. And I think Evans was involved, Marchant was involved, Tommy was involved, Caden was in there at, at one point. But it just it was just the pace. You know, people running off shoulders, people happy to just give the pass because they know the support runner's there. It's just what we do so well we given, when we're given that chance to play. Um, it's like a blitz attack, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Everybody it just, goes. It just happened at, at, at pace. And it was the first or, well, not the first time. It was just one of the times we actually played with real accuracy. Um, and then the second half obviously comes. 
And Don Brandt said it in his interview post-game. It was just about a real defensive, gritty performance. Yeah, you know, ne- neither side really had any massively clean chances. Well, there, there was, was a, one. There was a couple. But this is funny. I was talking to you about this briefly, about if you watch the highlights, they're five minutes long. Yeah. The first four minutes of the first half, and because nothing really happens in the second half apart from people hitting each other in defence, there was one moment where... This battle's fascinating. We should mm. talk about this. The Caden Murley versus Louis Rees-Samit. And Caden makes a bust through the line. And he's in the clear. He's heading for the posts. And Rees-Samit just sort of chases him down and manages to dislodge the ball in the contact. And Caden sort of gets on all fours and has a smile on his face because he knows there's a little b- private battle going on yeah. there. And his opposite number's got one on in there. But it was interesting watching that develop. I think in the first half, Reese Samet got a very good fend on Caden that sat him down, which we've never seen before because Caden's no. such a brilliant defender. And then later on in the half, Caden gets a big old fend on Reese Samet and sits him down as well. So they won one at that point. And I wonder if that try saving tackle from Reese Samet there just edged his performance for a 2 1. But great to see that matchup. And could it be a potential international matchup for years to come? I'd love to ask Caden actually what he thought at that stage. You know, you're absolutely right. Reese Amit goes with a big old sort of, you know, punchy fend off and Caden hits the floor. And at that point, I reckon Caden's thinking, okay. I think in... he's probably got a smile on his face at that 100%, point. Well. 100%. Of course he knows going into this game. This is almost like a, a trial, so to speak. Yeah. You're up against a Wales international winger, the the bread and butter of that country, the, the flair encouraged rock star. And this is kind of a chance to prove that you're ready too. And it was it was fairly even, I thought. It was great to see them. And they both knew that it was a hell of a matchup. And yeah. I really enjoyed watching it. It was great. But then Caden, get, Caden also gets one up on him. And it, me and you yeah. sort of turned to it at that point and went, okay, okay, we come on then. And then, yeah. It was a was, boxing match in the end. It was a little bit of a one-two counterpunch from Caden in the, in the second turn. But then, yeah, that... that that break, I mean, we've seen that so often, haven't we? A couple of quick passes, the ball goes to the edge, Caden gets his hands on it, yeah. and we all just sort of rise to our feet, and he makes that lovely little drift inside, and almost turns Reece Samet. Yeah, I think he'd have been alright if he was if he had a direct line running straight, I think he'd have been alright, but because he had to angle in to beat another player, yeah. I think you lose a little bit of momentum, and that gives Reece Samet a chance just to get back in cover, but um, whilst it was a, a brilliant matchup, I think it was fueled with respect as well because Reese Samet gets uh, an unfortunate injury at the end. Not sure yeah, what, what it was, whether it was a hamstring it. or a knee, but he was on the touchline until the end of the game before he, he could get back in the changing room. But he was running down that flank at Caden, and Caden could have easily just absolutely buried him when he pulls it up. But there was an element of respect there that obviously his his opposite number would pulled up quite sharply and and taking an injury and he, he didn't bury him. He respectfully left him alone and let the game come to a halt. couple of things we should mention probably just before we do wrap this up. Um, one of them is two big try-saving tackles from Nick David. Obviously, one was with a penalty advantage that obviously, you know, then obviously led to them getting the ball back. But even getting there in the yeah. corner... Well, Reece, yeah, it's, it would have been a try hits, anyway. Yeah, Reece Samet hits that little crossfield kick and David just gets there and tackles, tackles the winger into touch. That was good. And who, then just one on the that, who was well. man of the match? Was he man of the match? I didn't Great actually question, see who actually. was. I didn't, I, didn't even, I didn't even follow that up. I don't know. Um, I think he was brilliant. I'm not sure who would have been man of the match if it wasn't for him. Maybe Danny Kerr for his two tries. Yeah, I think it might have been Kerr. Um, I actually don't know. I thought he was great. It was. I mean, how important was it to have him back, even if we do think we were lucky to have him back so soon? Because I don't see Tommy Allen getting across to make those tackles in defence. Mm. 
if he's no. playing full And then my, my last my last sort of feeling of the game is um quite sort of poignant actually. And it was one of our one of our mates that made the point on one of the WhatsApp groups we're in. It's not a win that you remember, but it is certainly yeah. a win that gets you into the top four. Yeah, the scoreless sure. second half is a little bit of a collector's item at the stoop. It was a second half based on defence and it was really good to see us make a lot of tackles in that second half and be really, really dogged in defence, keeping you know them scoreless. And obviously we were we came off probably a little bit disappointed to not come away with five, but given the fact we got four, they come away with with zero. Actually, you think on balance we've probably got the result we wanted there. I mean, we ha- absolutely have got the result we wanted. If they'd have kicked a penalty and got a losing bonus point, you'd have thought, well, okay, three points isn't quite the di- isn't quite the gap we wanted to come away with. Didn't get the bonus point try, but absolutely a result that gets you into a top four, winning those gritty battles where not everything has been perfect. We haven't played a game of Premiership Rugby for a month. There was going to be a little bit of an element of rust and an element of you know people that wouldn't have played. We've had Andre away with South Africa, Tommy away with Italy, you know, Premiership Cup games in between and Barbarian stuff has been all over the, the, the headlines. But to get back into the Premiership, come away with four points, keep them pointless. Very happy walking away from the ground. Definitely, you know, we spoke in the huddle uh, after the game. It was a pretty gritty win. Um, but it's good to see that a team like us that obviously want to play an expansive game of rugby, want to throw the ball around, can also, you know, be gritty and have a good defensive line, get some good defensive sets in. So, no, I'm actually quite proud of the performance today and good to get the four points against a really good good opposition. I'm going to one-up your quote. It's a DM we had from Simon Kerrid. These are the wins that no one will remember that give us the chance to win the ones that everyone will remember. There you go. He's absolutely right. We'll take the four points here. We'll see you in the playoffs at the end of the season and we'll make some memories there instead. I'm more than happy to do. So we'll leave Gloucester there. We now currently sit third in the table, three on the bounce, having beaten Gloucester, Northampton and London Irish. Three tricky teams. We go into Bath this week. Again, another Friday night game, which we seem to enjoy. However, we did have Bath on a Friday night this time last year. Didn't get the result we wanted that time. In fact, it was a bit of a shock because it was their first win of the season, having lost every single game up to that point and looking fairly dead and buried, Mm. let's say. So it was a bit of a shock, upset. How are you seeing this one? They've had a lot of change. They are nowhere near the same team they were last season. They've got a new head coach, previously from Munster. They've got half of Worcester with them now. They've got Ollie Lawrence. They've got Ted Hill. They've just signed Alfie Barbary as well. They've got Jonathan Joseph, who's still an established, experienced player. I mean, Will Stewart will be back. They're going to be all stacked again. They're going to look pretty good. And they just off. They didn't play this weekend, but they did come off the back of a one-point victory at home over Leicester a couple of weeks ago, which was massive for them. How do I see Bath? Now you obviously mentioned it at the start of this episode. Bath was one of my favourite away days last year. My first trip down to the West Country. Um, it was around the same sort of time as well. It must have been about three or four weeks before Christmas, almost an identical time in the calendar from memory. Um, but yeah, that was a good day in terms of the trip and the travel, but also not the result. Um, and we ended up getting a few injuries from what I can remember down there last year. Dino Lamb did his hamstring at that at that time last yeah. year. We barely Will saw Collier's him. Will Collier's knee. Will Collier's knee as well. So, yeah, not a happy hunting ground down for us at Bath last year. In fact, I remember this really clearly because I was sat at the opposite end of the ground to you with my dad. It was freezing cold. 
Um, and it, it wasn't actually just me and my dad. We felt like we were the only two Quinns fans in our little corner of that stand. But further towards the middle, you had Ewan Laws and his dad, Ben, as well. So at least there was four Quinns down that end of the ground. But it was the, the game where we had so many injuries that yeah. the average age of our pack at the end of the game was either 21 or 22 years old. We had Taolani at number eight. And we had Jack Walker Jack, finishing the Jack game Walker, number eight. Jack Walker ended up coming up and playing flanker in the end. Um, so yeah, we were dotted all around the place. We had Hammond at six as well. Um, not a perfect game for us at all. A tricky result. We didn't take our chances in the opening phases, I remember. And the way I see this one is they're a much better outfit now. It's still going to be an intimidating and tough place to go. They're a wreck on a Friday night. Tough conditions. Not the greatest pitch. We know that being so close to the riverbanks. This is the game for Danny Kerr to make his money this is the game for Danny Kerr to, to do what we know he's so good at and control the game kick in the right places play the game in the right places control the tempo this is the one where I see Danny really driving our side and, and controlling the pace and, and getting a result for us I think that's one of the key areas when we've got the ball but also at set piece time our scrum and getting that dominance is going to be another really key ingredient to getting the result we want yeah I think so I think I think you're absolutely right. And I'm looking at their side now from the last time they played against Leicester. Not a huge amount of experience in the front row. Obviously, like you say, they'll have Will Stewart back. Ted Hill gives them a huge boost in the back row. Ben Spencer at nine. He played. He, I think he was man of the match down there last year. Actually, no, I lied. It was Nathan Hughes and man of the match down there last year, having just sort of oh, signed God, on. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Orlando Bailey at ten. That midfield combination. If Andre and March, you know, have come over the weekend unscathed. Andre in March against Lawrence and Joseph. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Um, and then Jamie Shilcock, who's obviously signed from Worcester. He's he played at 15. But yeah, it's a good lineup with a couple of people to come back in. Um, but I think given who we should have it back, I mean we'd expect to have Marcus back, although he did come off in the end game with a hey, little, bit of a, little knock to his ankle. Hopefully, the God forbid, hopefully that's nothing serious. Getting him back at 10 would be amazing with Danny at nine. I think you're absolutely right. Last year down there wasn't a brilliant performance. They just found a way to win in a season where they could barely string, you know, 15 minutes of good rugby together and they they, they managed to get the job done. So hopefully we can go down there and right the wrongs. I Would you have Marcus ex- back in then? I mean, this is an interesting fit. one, isn't it? Because he, if he's got a slight knock and he could probably do with a break given the intensity of international rugby and how cluttered I'd say his brain probably is right now but on the flip side he's a competitor and for him to come straight back in and make his mark and prove his point it's probably something he would want to do as a player and that's where you need to look to your coaches and your senior figures around you to say is this the right decision for him here because he'll be itching to get straight back into it but from a health point of view and just maintaining his his return to the premiership I wonder what the best decision is, and only they'll know that. But I think I tend to agree. If he's fit and ready to go, he won't want that rest. He'll want to get straight back into it. My only concern, I think it's the the right one, I think you mentioned, if he isn't quite 100% post a little knock to the ankle, our next game after Bath is away in South Africa. So, you know, is there a little bit of slight concern around maybe just having a couple of the guys that have been involved with England a lot, you know, Marcus being the main one, just giving them, a, just giving him maybe a, maybe one week's grace, maybe off the bench, I don't know. It would depend how fully fit he is. If he's fully fit and that ankle isn't anything to worry about, obviously he's going to start. 
but Tommy's been playing well. You know, if if Tommy does play and Marcus just does get that one more week's worth of rest before we end up, you know, hitting our European campaign with a big trip to South Africa, then wrestling at home before big game, maybe they might just give Marcus one week off. And I think you're right. Maybe his brain is a little bit scrambled. Not that you know, nothing he won't be able to deal with. Our world, you know, we know what a world-class player he is. But maybe just that ankle. If he is just slightly 10, 15% off with a little niggle, maybe he won't play Friday and then we'll get ready for him away in Durban in, in a few weeks' time. Um, but I think given selection across the rest of the board, I don't see too much changing. Um, I think, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't see too much changing. I can't see many things changing in the starting side. It looks to be the best side we have on paper available at the minute, given injuries. Um, maybe Tommy Lauday may sort of make his return on the bench. Um, Finn Baxter again will play probably at loose head on the, off the bench. Marler only played 60 minutes on Friday night, so maybe they're just looking to get Finn a bit more rugby. Um, but I don't see too much changing. I think it'll just be the fitness of Marcus would be the only change I think I'd, I'd make if if he's either fit or not fit. Yeah, agree. I think if Lorde comes back in on the bench and you've got him and Northmore on the bench, that's a hell of a lot of experience to be bringing on in a what could be a tight contest going into the last 20. So a couple of wise heads with great ability to come on would, would really help our chances of getting a result there. I think I'm still confident. I 100%. think as the team sat third place in the table with a fairly stacked team at the moment, I actually fancy us to go down and, and get an opposite result to what we got last season. I think we probably should have got the job done there last season. We just didn't take our chances and that's very un-Quincy of us. So maybe we'll play it a little bit differently. Maybe we'll take three occasionally when when it's on offer just to keep that control of the game and keep squeezing them. Um, so we'll like see we did what happens with that. I'm confident. Maybe a little bit of a sale. Um, not because we're fearful of Bath, but because we're fearful of of ourselves in a way and, and not always getting the result we want at places like this. So yeah, let's see how we get on, but I'm feeling confident. I'm looking forward to it. I can't make the jelly down this year. Unfortunately, I've got a few things that's been going on this week. Plus it was, I was looking at the time where I had to start booking tickets and trains. And it was towards the end of the month and I didn't have the money for it, which is unfortunate, but we're going to make it down. I'll certainly be watching on TV. Hopefully if it is on BT sport, which I'd imagine it would be post autumn internationals. So yeah, fingers crossed we go down there, big five-pointer, and then we can start looking towards Europe the week after. Absolutely, and I just want to finish on a note of thanks. We got a, a response to our podcast question this week asking for a little bit of feedback, and we got a great response from Richard Cook, who wanted to know about our thoughts on the Scrum Half Department. Have we got anyone in the squad that looks like they could possibly replace Danny? We might have him for another 12 months, but I don't think we can rely on him to play every week. And if he does... Can he keep up being quite as brilliant as he is? We need to be having a fast, really hot shot number nine to give Marcus the time to play the game we all love. And in my estimation, that's one of our biggest weaknesses. Be interested to hear what you think. We talked a little bit about second Robin launch coming in and we obviously talked a little bit about tight head earlier in this episode and and we've obviously emphasised the importance of Danny's role at Scrum Half on Friday night against Bath. And it is, of course, an area where we'll need to recruit. So it's just interesting to see how that plays out. And I think the first thing I'd want to know is is what's going on with his contract situation, whether he's getting another one-year deal or another two-year deal. And at that point, that probably buys us a little bit more time to recruit an extra nine in that space. So Dan Robson obviously became available recently, but he's just gone to France. 
I'm not sure how long that deal is, but I think he's only 31, 32 years of age. So he could be a good man to bring in from next season as well. Um, and we could start to see a little bit of, of depth created in that space with, with Danny hitting sort of 36, 37 years of age. Dan Robson only 31, 32. We could get a good three, four years out of him and we're fairly structured and, and sustainable from that point of view. So that's where I would like to see us going. I think we want to see where Danny goes with his contract next. Um, and then we'll take it from there. Dan Robson would be a great man to bring in from my point of view. There's, of course, lots of young nines out there at the moment that are quite hard to get hold of. So we'll see what happens with that one. But thank you, Sir Richard, for sending in that question. Please do send in any more questions on Twitter or Instagram or, or reply directly on the, your podcast link. That's where we'll leave it for this week, mate. Thank you for your time. Good results all around for the Quinzams and for the hockey boys. So let's get into the next week and come on the Quins. Nice one, mate. Enjoy Bath for any of you that are making the journey. Fingers crossed we get the win. Come on, you Quins.